0: And welcome back to Coaching with the Bible. Hope you are having a great week and a great day so far. This is episode 126, season 3, episode 17. The portion of the week is the portion known as Yitro. It is the period in which we read about the giving of the Ten Commandments and the events that took place. At Mount Sinai, in previous years, on this week's portion, we talked about giving advice. We went deep, deep that first year into Jethro and his role as a quote-unquote consultant to Moses. Uh, one of my favorite sort of discussions and conversations is Jethro, the first consultant. Last year, we dealt uh, we dealt with the issue of boundaries. God setting boundaries on the mountain, people not being able to go up, being able to touch the mountain during the course of the Revelation. And this week, this year, we're going to talk about Sinai, what I call Sinai moments or Sinai experiences. I don't think I made this concept up. I definitely heard it somewhere along the way, along the lines years ago in some class or some talk or some conversation with someone far smarter and more knowledgeable and a far deeper thinker than I am. But here's the idea. It's called Sinaitic experiences. When we read about Mount Sinai, we did a lot of reading in the last couple of weeks on this subject about Mount Sinai, read a number of articles about people exploring and seeking out the mountain that is Mount Sinai, though it's not obvious and not clear, and really trying to get the best picture in my own mind of what happened at Mount Sinai, really trying to understand the verses and the text, the commentaries, other explanations, viewpoints, vantage points, all kinds of things. And the truth be told, I should have known from the beginning that there was no way to really get at what ultimately completely happened at Mount Sinai. Like, to really understand it, to close your eyes and picture it, not the way Charlton Heston experienced it in the movie or in the other movies, but, like, how did it actually happen? It's hard. It's hard. It's hard when the verses tell us about being able to see... The sounds and 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 to experience you know what that what that looked like, the idea of God being present on the mountain of Moses entering into the clouds of the fire and all it awesome but hard and so I think about Sinai a lot when we think about Sinai a lot it 's obviously an indelible and impactful place in lore for judaism and in who we are as members of the people of of god and people of israel but obviously beyond just the people of israel the revelation at sinai is a world altering event god showing himself bringing himself down onto the mountain not only operating in history with respect to freeing the slaves but also Day-to-day, week-to-week, person-to-person, having that relationship. The people saw it. People saw God, or whatever they could see of God. It's an amazing thing to think about. And perhaps this week I may go a little bit further on the biblical side than on the coaching side, but we'll get to the coaching side in just a moment. The Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, the, the Rabbi of Lubavitch, of Chabad, Comments in one of his writings on the subject that, when you think about that on a deeper level, human beings saw God—the same human being that you are, that I am—with the same eyes and the same ears, the same senses and the same mind, and the same—we're ex- able to experience God. So I mean, the possibility of reaching that sort of sense of holiness. That sense of sanctity, that level of sanctity, is possible for pretty much every human. It's like mind blowing to think about. If we, if we hold and believe about the concepts of sanctity and holiness, which I appreciate are holy religious concepts, I believe, it's a very powerful thing to think about. Rabbi Sachs writes in one of his articles on the manor, I think it's in his book of covenant conversation around the holidays and the celebrations the holiday of Shavuot that is celebrated seven weeks uh, to the day after uh, the exodus is the revelation at Sinai, talks about the idea that Sinai actually never ends, that the Sinai experience continues. Which is super interesting also to go to. But what I want to think about here is the following. Sinai happened once. It's never happening again. Certainly not like that. So the Sinaitic experience happened for the people when it happened, for the period of time that it happened, and then it was over. Then they could go up on the mountain, they could touch the mountain, they were not in any danger any longer, and Sinaita was over. And then they had to go and live their lives. And for me, that is the idea that we have these, what I'll call, peak moments, P-E-A-K, peak moments in our lives. They happen infrequently. They are exceptionally rare. And yet they are guideposts, anchors, the true north for our lives. And that's really where I want to go today is the idea of the true north. What I mean by this is, I don't think it is the case that there's an expectation that we will live all of our days in a Sinai moment, meaning that God will be revealed to us in that way, in that manner at every moment. But we are supposed to take that moment with us along the way. It's supposed to, let's say, inform or direct uh, our decision-making. It's to anchor our actions in the way in which we operate but it's not something that we're either going to experience again necessarily nor should we and it does not appear that we have to because it happened once and god didn't do it again and so i think it is the case in life that we have sinaitic experiences sinaitic moments these moments where things feel let's say peaceful on some level very high there's some sort of majesty. It's a term that comes from an author or philosopher named Otto Rudolf when talking about holy moments, specifically uh, moments like Mount Sinai or as uh, Eliezer Berkovitz writes in his essays, The Encounter with God. There's something very awesome in that. Not like awesome, but awesome. Like there's that sense of awe about it. There's a sense of majesty and power and overwhelmingness about that experience, but it happens infrequently in our lives. And when we think about those moments, and if we can conjure up one one such moment in our lives, we wonder about, like, what was that? Why did that happen? It's to set us in a sort of direction. The concept of a true north is the idea that it orients us to where, the term is used, to where north actually is, and so we can redirect or course correct if we get off path during the course of our own lives. So I'll give you an example, um, I, you know, from my own life, I feel like this one. So about 10 years ago, right, 10 years ago to the week, pretty much, um, I was working at an organization in the, in the U.S., a nonprofit organization, large Jewish not, communal nonprofit organization known as the National Council of Young Israel. And the role that I had was a fairly senior role at the time. And one of the quote-unquote perks of the role at that time, being the senior executive in the organization, was that you got to participate in an umbrella organization called the Conference of Presidents of Major Jewish Organizations. It's an umbrella group, the leaders, the presidents, the board leaders, the lay leaders of the largest uh, communal organizations in America, the very powerful group in the sense that they bring to the fore a lot of membership and are very much representative of a lot of people. And I was part of this group. I was the youngest person in the group by many years. So I had had reached that point in that organization for a whole set of circumstances. But every other organization that was of that nature, of that ilk, every leader was much older than me at least 10 years older than me, but probably more than that, to the degree that I was often um, you know, mistaken for a child of one of the leaders of one of the organizations. I was that much younger than him, probably 25 or 30 years younger than him at the time. And so part of the opportunity of, of participating in this group is not just the meetings with these super interesting people, but is the trips that they go on, the people that they go to meet at the United Nations. I met with the uh, Turkish ambassador to the United Nations, um, advocating on behalf of the Jewish community of Turkey um, and other matters. Um, I got to go to the White House with the group. I met at the time was uh, Vice President Joe Biden uh, and other uh, leaders of the United States government, and then traveled overseas to France to meet and interact with the Jewish community of Paris, of Marseille, and also to meet leaders in the French government. So I met the prime minister, I met the president, I met the mayor of Paris. It's a very high-level group of people that I was with. And besides sort of the imposter syndrome feeling that I had being part of that group, because I didn't necessarily always felt like I belonged, and to some degree other people reminded me that I was the youngest person in the group, it was a glimpse, quote-unquote, the Sinai, a glimpse into an incredible level of access, of impact, of decision-making. You want to call it power. And then it was over. Four months later, I was looking for another position, seeking another position. It was no longer there, and it never happened again. So I have the pictures from the experience. I have the memories of the experience. In fact, um, you know, give one out, a shout out to Facebook for this one. In the Facebook uh, memories popped up this week, a picture of me um, there in Paris, standing with the mayor of Paris in one of these insanely beautiful uh, palaces. And it never happened again. So it's sort of like the way I understood it was like, oh, that's weird. Like, why did that even happen at all? Um, you know, why, do I, why did I have to experience it all? Then after that, it was just sort of a completely different direction from a professional standpoint. So I think about it and I, and I think about it in the context of, well, I'll call it a Sinaitic experience. It's a one-time event in my life that was incredible to experience, it's not Sinai, obviously, but um, that gave me a glimpse into something that was super interesting to me and something that was something that I was interested in at a level that I never had access to before and have not had since. And so for me, that's on some level, some sort of a science. So what's the point of that? So the idea that I think for me, the way I sort of think about it, is not just as a spiritual experience, because that wasn't so much a spiritual experience. I'm sure there are spiritual experiences in my life and in yours that, that match that. But in terms of just a professional experience, it's like a sort of, you know, to use the term, right? The mountaintop, If hit the mountaintop, and I've seen what's on the other side of the mountaintop, to quote uh, Martin Luther King Jr., right? And, and now it's like, okay, now what? Like, what does that mean? So for me, I think it's sense was the idea that it's a development, a further development and, evo- and evolution of perhaps what I'll call my true north, the anchors in my life, the things that are, um, you know, the guideposts, the land, where I'm headed, what, what drives me, what's interesting to me, what moves me in the work that I do and the day-to-day actions that I take. And again, sometimes we stray and sometimes we move and sometimes we don't exactly know how it is that we're on that path, let's say, still towards that true north. We do have to recalibrate. We do have to sort of think it through, take a step back and breathe so that we can think about, am I still on that path? But once we are able to recalibrate our personal compass towards that true north again, towards those anchors again, and really rigor into the anchors and tighten them. So then we're on the path and we're heading in the direction towards the place that we want to, we need to, and should head in life. And so when we're looking for our true north, and that's sort of ultimately where I wanted to get to here, is the Sinaitic experience is what it is, and our own lives are different things. It could be if you're an athlete, there's some sort of, you know, um, moment in a sport, in a game that you played that sort of was a peak moment for you. If it's professional, so maybe you spoke somewhere or you finished a deal that was, you know, just like the highest of the high, let's say, the most incredible thing. Maybe it's, you know, an experience in your own home, in your own life, with your family, uh, that really is that Sinaitic experience for you. It's like, wow, like, you know, you call it life was at peace in that moment or some would call it in flow, which is, you know, where everything is sort of, you know, in sync and everything is aligned and um, there is sort of this, you know, congruence between everything that's going on around you uh, that's powerful and peaceful at the same time. But the question then becomes for us as individuals is like, okay, what is that, you know, true North? What is that clarity of mind that we need to have, and how does it help me? So in respect to being a leader, we're much better leaders when we're clear about what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Um, we're also better able to make stronger and deeper smarter decisions about the things that we're doing, if we're tied in to our true north. If we allow the compass to actually lead us, um, then we lead better uh, because we're more clear, we're more ethical, we're more authentic in what we're trying to do. We're way more aware and self-aware of everything that's going on around us and what it is that's driving us at every single moment. And so that helps. Our ability to seek and then actually create and bring about change and positive change and impact and significance and meaning is far greater enhanced and deeper when it is that we are operating inside the space of our true north. I don't think we all get there. I don't think we all um, necessarily take the time to delve into true north and what it is that anchors us. Maybe we should. Maybe there's a sense that we would be happier we'd be more content, we would be far more impactful, we would be healthier by virtue of being on that right path and having that true north that that really is right out there in front of us that we're looking at and we can always find and we can always seek and even if we get off the path, we can get back on to that path. So that's really what I'm thinking about this week. That is the idea here. Uh, in this week's portion. That's what I think about when I think about Sinai. As I said, I don't think we're getting back to Sinai. I don't think we're going to find Sinai again. It might be something different that's similar, but the actual Sinai moment was once the mountain is lost. We use it and live with it and have it as a memory, not just something that we remember, but it's an actual memory. It's not just history. It's a memory, so it's ours. It belongs to us. And it helps us to direct our traffic. It helps us to direct where it is that we want to go. And so when we think about this, this is something deep, something hard, it's something important. But it is also something that really does move us to the places that we want to be in our own life. And so when we're making decisions, really try to make decisions based on your own true north, not someone else's true north. We're trying to live our best life. Let's live our best life based on the true north that we see for ourselves and not the true north that somebody else defines for us. I saw a great quote. I, I don't know uh, who the quote is from, but I, I, do, um, I do believe that this is a great quote for us uh, for today to finish off coaching with the Bible. And that's this. The vision is true north for the soul. It's a permanent intuitive compass direction for the human being. Every person inevitably strays from the path. Life is an endless experiment and course correction. The vision brings one back to the true path. I don't know who said it, but it sounds fairly religious anyway, but nonetheless, the concept is true. We all have that true north. We do have it as an inevitability in life that we'll stray from it, but it is our constant effort and attention to course correcting, getting back to it, and putting ourselves back on the path to what it is ultimately that we want to accomplish. We want to have success and joy, and happiness in our own lives. That is Coaching with the Bible for this week. Thanks for listening, as always. Look forward to seeing you next week. And as always, do share comments, insights, questions, additional sources, whatever it is as it relates to the topic. I'm super interested. Thanks, everyone, for joining. See you next week.